to this morning's message is maybe a, bit, a little bit unusual for me. But I've, I've had an encounter. I've had an encounter during this past week, past week and a half actually. Uh, I, it seems like that during this time, uh, during this time of a pandemic, you know, we've all gone through different things and phases of life, and we've probably had experiences that we we've never really touched on before. But as I was uh, the other day, I was uh, I was driving, and I don't know, maybe it's uh, there's nothing there's nothing holy about my little ugly car. My that's. I tell people, say, why in the world did you want such an ugly car? It's a Nissan Cube, by the way. I said, well, uh, there were several factors involved. I, I call it my West Virginia throwaway car. I bought that car. It had 60,000 miles on it. Right now, it has 268,000 miles on it. And I'm going to keep driving it until it falls apart, and then I'm just going to throw it away. Now, my stuff is full of scrap metal, Ballard, and take it down and sell it for scrap metal. Amen. Amen. But, but it seems like me and Jesus, we have some good times in that little ugly car. Jesus don't mind riding ugly cars. And I'm at that age, I don't either anymore. Okay. And as we, as we, as I rode, uh, I was riding the other day and, it, and I was just talking to the Lord and and I was listening, actually listening to some, either either a podcast or something on the talk radio. I, I don't remember which it was. But as I was listening to it, I, I be, the Lord began to, to, to speak some things into my spirit. I want you to know something about machinery. I, I mentioned my little ugly car about the miles it's getting on it. And, and it's getting well worn and it's starting to look well worn. But man, I love that thing. Really, if I could buy another one just like it and know it would serve me that well, I would buy another. Machinery, whether it's soil machines, for you ladies are more familiar with those, or if it's a bulldozer, Dave. Machines, whether it's a car, it's a truck, an apple peeler, or whatever you could imagine. A machine, a machine, most of them have one. Of what I want to preach to you about this morning. Most machinery, if it turns, if it rotates, if it moves, most machinery has, if you would, a neutral. Now, most of you, I assume most of you all rode some type of vehicle here this morning. Nobody rode a horse, did they? Made a chance. Yeah. I don't think any of you probably walked. But, but whether you rode in the car with someone else or you drove your own vehicle, you probably noticed in, uh, at some point in time or another, there is actually a little end in the gear selector. Even if you're driving a, if you're driving a straight ship, uh, uh, and a lot of people don't know how to do that anymore, but if you're driving a straight ship, you know you can put that shifter right in the middle of where it's supposed to be and that thing will just flop around like this. If you're like me, I grew up on three on the tree. Can somebody say amen? amen. I grew up on, on this, this, and this. You young people don't have a clue. You need to experience that just like you do a rotary phone. Okay? <laughs> but in the middle, in the middle, reverses up here, reverses down here, you hit neutral, the shifter goes forward, and then up second, and down is third. Now, now in the middle is neutral. 
is neutral. Neutral is found and, and on the shifting consoles of your vehicles. Uh, it's found in straight drive. But let me let me tell you, the name of the message this morning, what I've entitled it, is in, which means neutral. In is not a gear. In is not a gear. It's not a gear at all. If you go out of here, and actually it's in is disengagement. If, if you don't believe me, if you're questioning the pastor this morning, when you get ready to leave here in a little bit, when you get in your vehicle, put it in in and mash the gas and see how far you go. In is in neutral. In is neutral. It's disengagement. It's really not a gear at all. You can't go forward. You can't go backwards. Perhaps uh, you could freewheel if you were headed downhill, or or if you, were, you could roll backwards if you were headed uphill. But but even at that, unless your journey is all downhill, eventually you're going to come to a halt. Because neutral is really not a gear. Now I want to I want to give you a disclaimer this morning. This message is not intended to be a political message. This message is intended to be a, a biblical message, a, a message of, of, of discipling the saints of God. As a result of, of hearing a word I, I, that I'm going to share with you during my personal time, it, 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 was, it, it was almost as, in that little ugly car, it was almost as a near audible voice that I heard the Lord as I was thinking and I was praying about some of the things I was listening to, it's almost like I heard the Lord say, say that I do not need science. Now I know that offends some people. Anthropologists, science, scientists, the, the works of science, I, I, I know that that sort of, it comes offensive to them, but, but I'm not saying that it's not real and I'm not saying that it does not exist I'm not saying that it's not important because it is important. It's for medicine and doctors and dentistry and, and, and uh, you know our, our ophthalmologists and things like that. All of that is very important. But understand this: what I'm saying to you is what I I, mean, I heard from God is that God said I am not dependent upon science. I do not have to have science to exist. I do not have to have science to function. I do not have science have to have science to and, and everything that I do does not have to make scientific sense. Now, I have one of my favorite courses in school was science. I thought it was very interesting. So again, it's not about that I'm speaking against science, but here is the fact. In the days following, let me tell you my experience. In the days following that, uh, last week, some may call it a dream, some may call it a vision. I'm a, I, I dream dreams. I don't claim to be a dreamer of dreams. I just dream dreams, if you know what I mean. Like we eat Mexican food too late last night. I dream dreams. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not stepping on the clouds. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not floating around somewhere on cloud nine. But, but I, I dream dreams. It's just, I, I tell my wife some all the time. She said, you are crazy. And, 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 but, but, 
But I think that the Lord has blessed me with the discernment. There's times, there's times that it doesn't happen every day, every week, every month, maybe, maybe probably not even every year, that there's something that I, that the Lord will reveal to me, whether you call it a dream or a vision. But, but in, in what the Lord revealed to me, I saw a shifter, just like a shifter in a car. And that shifter was in the neutral position. The little indicator, you know how they illuminate in our cars and trucks and stuff. The, the shifter was in the neutral position. And as that shifter was in the neutral position, I asked, I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, Lord, what does this mean? And he answered me and he said, as long as my people remain neutral, my church will go nowhere. He said, because they are disengaged from me. So that's what this morning's message is about. Is a church, you see, the church right now, the church right now, and I'm speaking to the church of America. I can't necessarily speak to the church all over the world, but, but the church of America right now, one of the, one of the difficulties of the church in America is the church is trying to find a place to fit into the society that she is in. Amen. It's one of the difficulties that we're having right now. You see, when the church is looking for a place of acceptance, and I'm not talking about buildings, by the way. The, 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 the church, you know, it, you know, it, the church is looking for to be that place where we are a loved and 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 even an, an adored entity in the in the in America, and people are looking to us and want us. Now, now, a couple generations ago, people looked at the church somewhat in that frame of mind. But right now, right now, physically, physically, attacks are coming upon churches right now. Congregations are literally, doors are being forced open and literally being invaded during their worship service. They're being harassed from out on the sidewalk. Things like that are happening in churches in America right now. Now, we are blessed to live in these mountains. I want you to know that. We are blessed to live where we live because everyone, and, and you know, someone was talking to me the other day, well, I can, I can succeed better in life at this or that. I can make more money. I can do that. And I said, yeah, that's okay. But I want you to know, you are blessed to live right where you live. And we are blessed to live right where we live. And, and, and we, we, so we are, we have tried to blend in with the rest of the world and not to, and we've tried to be non-obtrusive and non-offensive and we want to be a friend to everyone. I, I listen a lot to, to, to Dr. Tom Rader and Dr. Tom Rader said, if, if you want to please everybody, what you need to do is be an ice cream salesman and still there will be somebody that won't like the ice cream that you have. So, so, so our, 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 every, the, the church, listen, the church has always throughout, when you go back and you study, especially the New Testament church, which we are, when you begin to go back in scripture and research the New Testament church, you will find from, from, from the time, even before, even with the message of John the Baptist, the introduction of the New Testament church, the church has always been offensive to society. Now, that's weird because 
We know we're not here to offend. We're not here to cause offense. We're here to proclaim the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you this morning that we that, that we wrestle. I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit here. But we wrestle against not, not flesh and blood, but we are in a spiritual warfare wrestling against powers and principalities, spiritual wickedness that is set up in high places. In other words, this 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 warfare is not about us nor the people that may oppose us, but we are engaged in a spiritual warfare, and we must remember that that our battle is not flesh and blood. I'm not fighting the people that don't like me or are against me, but the Spirit of God within me is warred against the Spirit of the world, which is the Spirit of darkness. I believe right now, this is my personal opinion, I could be very wrong, but I believe the church in America right now and all that it's facing may be the most critical moment that the New Testament church has faced in many, 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 many generations. I believe right now the church in America is at a point of, of decision making. And, if, and to go to the scripture. If you'll turn to Joshua 24. Joshua 24. I, I, feel, I believe right now. The church is at a, a point of decision. Decisions are not always easy. And you know. My, Sarah sometimes. Uh, you know, she'll struggle a little bit. You know, we'll, we'll go out to eat. She don't. She she really. She's just uh, indecisive. She just really don't know what she wants to eat. We'll go shopping, and she'll put all these clothes in the buggy, and, and she'll get up to the checkout, and then she she'll tell the woman, she'll say, "Just put this back. I don't think I want it. Just put this one back. I don't think I want it." And and then all of us, and hey, I'm saying praise the Lord, thank you Jesus. You know, you know, <laughs> and I said, so the one last thing we had to pay for. You know, and and. And then, and then, you know, and uh, then we get home and sometimes she'll even say, I don't know if I really like this or not. You know, but, but decision making sometimes is tough and sometimes it's rough. But I do believe that, that God is calling us in this critical hour. He's calling us to make decisions because in neutral is not a gear. Neutral is not a gear. Joshua 24 Verse 11 through 15, if you have your scripture or your phone open or your Bible open, whatever you have. Joshua 24, 11 through 15. Verse 11. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. I want to tell you something, those sites are rough people. <laughs> He said, but I gave them unto your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and your own bow. I'm going to pause here. I'm going to say this. Where America is at, where America originated from, all through the 200 plus years, wherever we're at now, 240 some years. Let me tell you something. It's not because of what we did. It's because God blessed us. 
He said, I sent a hornet ahead of you, drove you out, even also the Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities that you did not build. And you live in them, and you eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Now fear the Lord and serve him with faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your that your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose. Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen. So when we begin to look at the scripture, when we begin to look at Joshua, when we think about the statement here, I want you to understand that making a decision... Making a decision in the servitude of Christ Jesus is nothing new. Now, of course, Joshua, it's Old Testament. They didn't know the relationship with God through Jesus Christ the way we do. But the principle is still there. The principle still applies. But what we have before us now is I, I believe the church is at a time. The church of America is in a time of decision. There are probably more decisions ahead of us right now as believers in America than there's ever been at any time in our life. You know, we, we, some of us can think back many years when I can remember there was two times in our house that you were very, very quiet. And that's when, when uh, Walter Cronkite was on TV and talking about the Vietnam War. The other time was when Billy Graham was on the TV. And I, can, I remember Billy Graham, so oftentimes they go, I, I'm asking you tonight to come make a decision for Jesus Christ. It's, it's, and it is a decision of our salvation. But there's many decisions to be made as we continue to serve God and to follow Jesus Christ throughout our lives that he has given us here on earth. But here is what? Here is one thing that I personally believe. That, uh, uh, and there's many there's many, uh, uh, there's much research that points to my opinion is probably a very solid, good, founded opinion that what is happening to America is a doctrine of relativism has overshadowed us and overtaken us. Now, what is relativism? If any of y'all want my, uh, my screens on this, I'll give them to you, by the way, after service or sometime. I can bring them for you. But relativism is the idea that views and rel is the idea that views are relative to the differences in perception and, and and consideration. Truth relativism is the doctrine that there are no absolute truths. An example is that the truth is always relative to some particular frame or reference, such as language. Or a culture. That's that's what Wikipedia says about relativism. In other words, rel relativism, in other words, is more so just basically a state of mind that you're in. Wow. I tell you, there's been times that I've been in states of mind that I didn't know how to get home from the state I was in. Some of you all are the same way. 
Moral relativism is the idea that there is no universal or absolute set of moral principles. It's a version of, of morality. It's a version of morality uh, that advocates, if it feels right, just do it. Or to, to each his own. Don't judge me. You see, moral relativism, moral relativism, because moral relativism is not based on, on the Word of God. Moral relativism, it is, is about it, easy believism. If it feels right, do it. And, and all of those types of things. Uh, a, a, a blogger, Blue Tidwell, wrote this, and I, 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 I will read this verbatim to you. Blue, Blue said in his blog, he said, Relativism is the belief that something might be right for you, but wrong for me. Basically, it means that each person becomes his or her own God, deciding what is right and what is good. Because relativism is all based on the situation that you're in at the moment. Some life examples, Tidwell wrote, some life examples would be if someone believes stealing is okay, or if being leaving somebody hungry is okay, adultery is acceptable as long as you really love the other person, or it's fine to tell lies as long as you're helping someone else. He said the problem, of course, is that it changes from person to person and situation to situation. So we really don't know what to believe. Which is confusion. He said, what if you were the one being stolen from? Or what if you were the spouse that just got cheated on? Or what if the lie that was told to help somebody else caused you great harm? He said, in the, in the end, you can basically substitute the word selfish for relativism. Because it is only concerned with one's own thoughts and selfish desires. You see, relativism is the religion of need. Relativism is the religion of, of I've got to have it, I want it. And, and, and it's selfishness. A notion of relativism is nothing new. It was first articulated by a fellow named Franz Boas in 1887. But it even existed long before that. Because if you turn in your Bibles back to Genesis chapter 3, you will find a man and a woman in a garden with everything that they could possibly want, everything they possibly could need. Everything was supplied to them in perfection. In perfection. I, I, I can't... Stress that enough. And the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes will be open, and you will be his gods. No good for me. Wow. You'll be his gods. You see, that relativism puts us in, if you would, it puts us in the position of being our own God. It puts us in the position of, of I'm in control of my life. I don't need I don't need God. I don't need truth. And I'm going to get to that just in a minute. Hang with me. In a recent in recent carnal research, in October of 2019, just a few months ago, before the pandemic, in, in October 19, the website scientificamerican.com published 
the results of their, their scientific poll. Scientific poll, mind you. They conducted this poll and included in the survey were, were issues such as, in America, were issues such as marital infidelity, dishonest business practice, murder, euthanasia, and abortion. Of which the proponents of relativism view as being proper and fitting if they are given over to the society that they're having. Like what I just said to you too in layman's terms, that again, it's that thing of if, if it fits where we're living, go with it. it, it you know, let's 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 ride with just ride just ride with the tide. This 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 ride flow with the flow with the current. In, in this in this survey, they cited that 64% of Americans, 64% of Americans, not people all over the world, 64% of Americans. Uh, and teens actually escalated that to 83% in their, within their age group. But 64% of Americans, 83% among teens, were given over to believing in relativism compared to believing the truth. So, if you don't understand what, what and why things are happening all around us in this great country... God bless America. I love it. It's still the greatest place to live on earth. But if you don't understand and you don't realize and you can't comprehend why things are happening, and we, we easily can lay on the devil, and certainly he, he is he is at the root of everything. It's a sin-cursed world that we live in. But understand this. We are living in a society that over, over the course of time has, in essence, because of relativism and the doctrine of relativism, we have become our own gods. And because we have become our own gods, we believe whatever we want to. We believe that there are square circles and there's round squares. We believe that blue is red and red is green because if that's the way I think it is, that's the way it is. We believe that 2 plus 2 is 7 or 2 plus 2 could be 11 and you're sitting there saying in your seats or you may be watching my Facebook Live and you say, no man, Richard, you're crazy. 2 plus 2, plus two is 4. That's, that's an absolute. That is a truth. We know that 2 plus 2. But 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 in the, in the scope of relativism, if you want to believe 2 plus 2 equals 7, go for it, baby. It's yours. It's your reality. And drive is neutral and park is park is reverse. And you get my point? Try putting your car in the wrong gear when you leave here. No, 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 no make sure you're not near my ugly cube. Okay? I, I, I love that. I love my cube. I don't, I don't ride it until Jesus says that he needs it. But here's what happens. The absence of, of absolute truth is what we have in a world that is given over to relativism. It's a relativistic world in America. Absolute truth is something that is true at all times, in all places, no matter where you go, what happens, what changes, truth, absolute truth is true, and it's un 
unchanging. Has any of you ever heard anybody say that, 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 that the word of God, I am the Lord thy God, I change not? Have any of y'all ever heard that? Have any of y'all ever, ever heard that the word of God referred to as, as the inerrant, the unadulterated, the perfect word of God? Have any of y'all ever heard that before? Listen, if we believe that, it leaves no room for relativism to dictate the things of life, our thinking, our thought process, our patterns, our opinions, because the Word of God becomes the authoritative source of our life, and we stand on that Word, and we live on that Word, and we uphold that Word, and we can't afford to be neutral, because if we are in neutral, we are disengaged from it. I still stand for the Word of God today. I stand for the Word of God. So the absence of realistic truth is in a uh, of absolute truth in a realistic world. Because what that said is absolute truth is something that's always true no matter what the circumstances is or what they will be, what they are or what they will be. It's a fact that cannot be changed. You can't really change the fact that two plus two is four. It's just the way it is. And you can't change you can't change the word of God and manipulate the word of God. And there's people right now, there's people today, there, there are people in churches, there are people right now that 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 that, that profess Christianity, and I can't say that they're not saved, but there are people right now that, that, that say, well, you know what, that's just, a lot of that was just ancient writings, it was just writings of men, it made, some of that stuff was probably, they wrote it down wrong, or this this, this, this happened, or that happened, let me tell you what, if we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ, I think as a follower of Jesus Christ, we must be solidified and rooted and grounded that the Word of God is Jesus' Word, he said, I am the Word become flesh. And the Word of God is what we will stand on. And I have a problem believing that we can truly be followers of Jesus Christ if we are not truly believers in the Word of God and the absolute truth that it brings. Amen. Martin Luther, the great reformer, not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther, the great reformer, said this. I shall never be a heretic. He said, I may err in dispute, but I do not wish to decide anything finally. But on the other hand, I'm not bound by the opinions of men. Hello. Hello. Amen. You know, we live, we live in an age, you know, we live in... <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The, the work, the work of relativism. Let, let me get. I don't go ahead and really jump ahead of myself because I know we're crunched for time this morning. But let me tell you something. What the, the work of relativism in this preacher's opinion and in my in my mind, the way I construct the way I frame the work of relativism is nothing more than the spirit of antichrist at work. The work of relativism is nothing more than the spirit of Antichrist at work. And what happened? Martin Luther said, I am not bound by the opinion of men. You know what relativism, you know what right now is going on in America right now? Right now, right now, the church is being intimidated. Whether 
it's through harassment, whether it's through news media, whatever it may be. Right now, the church in America is being intimidated. The, the, the enemy and the enemy is flexing his muscles through through all of these, these antichrist spirits and, and, and trying to intimidate the church. And and, if, and and we just can't shift to neutral because if we shift to neutral, we're going nowhere. We gotta get it in gear. We still gotta be the church. We still gotta stand up for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about fighting physical wars. I'm not talking about punching people in the nose. And I'm not talking about shooting somebody with their guns. I'm not talking about that. But I am talking about we need to stand long and tall for the word of God and support it. Because it is the absolute truth that we are saved by. And it's the absolute truth that we will be judged by. And it's the absolute truth that this world will, will be judged by in fact. Let me finish reading what Martin Luther said. He said, I'm not bound by the opinions of men. He said, so this means that if truth is not absolute, it in fact is not truth at all. If truth is, if truth is changeable, if truth is variable, if truth, if truth for me changes because I'm in West Virginia today and and maybe I'm in uh, uh, Pennsylvania tomorrow, and I just randomly pick that. But, but truth is different when I'm in Pennsylvania than it is when I'm in West Virginia. Then, then, then it's really not truth at all. Because truth is absolute. Truth is unchanging. So the truth in a troubled world, here, here's the thing about it. Science depends on experiments with tangible evidence. We, we live in a time when people, well, prove to me that there is a God. Prove that that's not really not a whole lot of anything new. It's just, it's just today it's, it's more prominent, it's more forceful. Prove to me that there's a God. Prove to me this. Prove to me that. And, and let me say this. I am not against higher learning. In fact, I think it's good. I think it's wonderful. I, I think it's great. But let me tell you something. When an institution of higher learning tries to pull you away and turn our young people, our young adults, away from the truth of God's word into relativism and in, uh, all of the things that came in, come into that, whether it's socialism, whether it's uh, whether whether it's uh, 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 the evolution. Whatever it may be, listen to me. We need to return to the truth. Mamas and daddies, grandmas and grandpas and young people, you be choosy of where you go to school. You be choosy of what you sign up for in those classes because you need to be able to stand on the Word of God. And if you find yourself in a, in a facing opposition, just stand on the Word because when you've done all you know to do, the Bible says to stand therefore and see the salvation of the Lord. And he will guide you and he will protect you. Y'all don't bear with me. I'm not sweating. I don't usually don't sweat when I preach. My hair is getting all wet. Listen. God is not dependent on any external entity. I want you to understand that. He, God is self totally 100 and 10%. You say there's no such thing as 110%. God is 100,000% totally self-sufficient. He exists of himself. He does exist. He's existed in the past. He exists right now. And he will exist for all of the future because God is eternal. Amen. The problem is the world can't relate 
John chapter 14. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit... The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Understand me. Understand me. The world can't relate. The unsaved world, the relative, the, 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 the relativists in the world, they can't understand holding on to the truth of God's world. The word is far removed from them. They can't grasp it. They can't understand that. They're looking for a scientific approach. They want some they want some proof. They want some evidence. You gotta show me. You gotta prove me. Well, let me tell you what. Uh, God, God has been put to the test and, and sometimes He invites us like He did in Malachi. Test me and see. He said, if I will not open the windows of heaven. But understand this. Understand this. God's Word is proven from Genesis to Revelation. It is proven. God is proven. He is, His, His grace. He's proven. His mercy. He is proven through prophetic voices that are raising up in the land right now. God is still proving himself to be faithful and true. God is not to be proven, but nobody can disapprove him if you would, because he is God. And we have to receive that in faith. The reality is, is truth, truth, Truth is literally God, or God is literally truth, whichever way you want to state that. You see, it was Jesus, he said, I am the way, I'm the truth, and the life. He's, he's, he said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The scripture says Jesus was full of grace and truth. The scripture says that his word is true, and it says his spirit is true. So truth is God, and God is true. But I want you to know this. In is not a gear. In is not a gear. The church cannot remain silent. The church cannot remain silent. The church, the, the church cannot continue to be a, a silent voice in society. And again, I'm not suggesting that we go to war. I'm not suggesting that we, we, we rise up a militia. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is we must uphold the truth of God's word. Amen. To be neutral is to go nowhere. No, not forward, not backwards. It's to go nowhere. Really, really, really neutral is being disabled. And the one thing that God does not will for the church is for the church to be disabled. He's given us spiritual giftings. He's given us equipments. He's given us callings. And God has equipped us to be the church. We have everything we need. I want to read something to you here. Just bear with me. Bear with me. I need to get this out of my spirit. Matthew chapter 10. Bear with me. I have to get my bifocals working in this small friend. Matthew chapter 10. I want to go down and read verse, uh, begin reading at verse number 5. This is Jesus sending out 12. These twelve, or these twelve, if you would, are, are a, a, a metaphor. They are a typology of the church as a whole. Jesus sends out the twelve in verse five. He said, "These twelve, Jesus sent out to the follow with following instructions: Do not, 
do not go among the Gentiles or any, any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach the message. The kingdom of heaven is near. You will sit, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take along any gold, silver, or copper in your belts. Take no bag for your journey, or don't even take an extra tunic, nor sandals, or a staff, for the worker is worth his own keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search for someone worthy, some worthy person there and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off of your feet. And when you leave the home or the town, when you leave the home or the town, I will tell you the truth. I will be more bear, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for the, that town. I'm sending out like, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Be on your guard against men. They will hand you over to the local councils. Hello. Hello. They will hand you over to the local councils and they will flog you in their synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, not, I don't find a gift anywhere in this. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will, it will be given to you what to say. For it will not be you that's speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother, verse 21. Brother will betray brother to death. And a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will stand, will hate you because of me. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A student is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of the household? So do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark you speak it in the daylight. You speak it in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, you proclaim it from the rooftop. See, the church is not called to be neutral. Because to be in neutral, in is not a here. We're not really going in. We're just disengaged. I think I think this is a word for and let me tell you something. This word found me out. Sometimes I find myself, well, I'm just not gonna get involved, I'm just not gonna do this, I'm not gonna do that, and that. And again, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about 
you know, civil uprising and those type of things. But I am talking about standing for the truth, the absolute truth. I'm talking about standing for the Word of God, standing it and letting not being ashamed. Let me let me share one more thing from Matt. Jesus laid it all out in Matthew chapter ten. It's all on the line. But then, if you turn over to First John, Little John, First John chapter two. First John chapter two. I want you to listen to what I'm saying. First John chapter two. Dear children, children, I say children. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. Many Antichrists, not the Antichrist, but many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. So don't be upset about all of the relativism, all of the, the oppression that seems to be growing every day. Don't be upset about all that. Because that's just to us, this is to let us know the hour is getting closer. Verse 19, he said, they went out from us. They really didn't belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. Where would they have remained? They would have remained in the truth. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Verse 20, I'm not a, I'm not a, good, I'm not a good language student. I don't insinuate that I am. But verse, verse 20 starts with a little three-letter word, but. That's a, if I remember right, is it, a, is it injunction? Conjunction. What is it? Injunction. Conjunction. Conjunction. He says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. Let me, let me close with this. This supersedes everything that's happened. But means this is the most important thing. But you have an anointing. An anointing and we've been a cost. We call anointing a lot of things. I had one woman, she said, I can tell when people get anointed, their lips turn really white. That's the anointing. But when it comes down to it, when you do a word study on anointing, the anointing is actually the equipping, the equipping. To carry out the task. That's what the anointing is. He says, John wrote, but you have an anointing. You have an equipping. You have a readiness. You have been made ready to carry out the task that has been set before you. Church, you can do this. I can do this. And it's all because we know the truth. Listen to me. It is not a gear. We need to get it in gear. And we stand for the truth of God's word. Whether it comes hell or high water or missiles or bullets or criticism or loss of friendship. Whatever it is, we can't afford to do anything less than to be engaged in the word and the truth of the person of God. I gave you my disclaimer. This is, a, this is not about politics.
But we know in, 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 it's not really part of the far-reaching realm in, that politics becomes involved in things like this. But let me tell you something. Right now, right now, right now, most important thing can, we can attend to this morning, if there's anybody in this room or somebody watching that's not saved, they need to get saved. You need to give your heart to Jesus Christ and believe on that truth. But there's other things that are coming up before us that are very important. If you are not registered to vote, you need to get your uh, little self to the wherever you go, DMV or wherever on the internet. You need to get yourself registered to vote. And you need to vote come November. That's my birthday, by the way. November 3rd is election day. So buy me a present and go vote. Okay? You need to express your, you need to express your voice. You need to, hey, listen, and they probably none of them is really too awful good, but you pick the one that's going to stand for the values and the truth of God's word. And you vote that way. You let yourself be known. On your workplace. You don't, you don't have to punch somebody in the nose. But always stand up for the word of God. Stand. And stand tall. And stand fast. Because in. Is not a year. If you don't believe me. Again. When you go out here in a few minutes. And you get in your car. Put it in. Don't mash the gas too far. Because you may over rev your motor. If it's a Ford. It's probably going to go kaboom. But put it in the end and mash the gas. You will go nowhere. Take a stand for the word of God. Take a stand for the truth. Don't try to be neutral in a world full of relativism. Trust God. I want you to bow your heads with me for some more. your hands bowed and eyes closed. Those of you that are watching by social media. I want to ask you a question. I already stated the most important thing. The most important matter of business that can be tended to at any point, any time in any of our lives is the salvation of our, of our souls. And if you're here this morning or you're watching this morning and you're not saved or maybe you drifted far from far, far from the shore. You've lost sight of land. And you need to come on back home. You need to come on back to the harbor, the safe harbor this morning. If you're in this room or if you're watching, you know, it's an opportunity for you to dedicate or rededicate your life. Is there anyone in this room without any embarrassment that would slip up your head and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need I need to rededicate my life. Or I need to give my heart to Jesus. I've never surrendered. Is there anybody at all? I look around the room and I, I assume that because of, there's no response that everybody is satisfied with their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's good. I'm glad to hear that. You can look this way right, right now. But those of you that are out there watching on Facebook Live or you're watching Slater or you're listening by EV Radio, let me say this to you. Call on the name of the Lord. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. And believe in your heart that He is Lord, Lord of your life, that He will believe Him to reign over your life. Believe that the Bible is the truth. Trust the truth. And surrender your heart to God, asking Him to forgive you. And then with your mouth, you speak. With your mouth, you speak. 
your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you will be saved. And let Him sanctify you and fill you full of the Holy Spirit, because that anointing is the keeping power of the church right now. I wonder today, we got a little something we want to do here before we go any further. I want to ask you this. Is there anybody in this room right now that needs special prayer? I'm not going to ask you to come up. I'm going to tell you that. We're, we're still trying to be social distancing. Does anybody in this room needs a special need? Need in your body? Need in your home? If you, if, okay, those of you have need in your body right now, I want you to stand in your feet. Don't mean to embarrass you. I just want to stand in your feet right now. Because we don't, all right, uh, church family, I want you to turn around and look. I want you to see that we got three right in the middle, one on the side. Okay, on my, to my left. Okay, right now, we're going to pray for these people. If it, because the Bible says if you be sick among you, I'm not going to go back there because, again, out of, out of respect for our, our leadership. But but we're just going to pray and believe that God's going to minister to your all needs right now. Okay? So right now, reach your hand out. Reach your hand out to our church family. Reach your hand out to your brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Father, I just pray that you, Lord God, will move and you will minister to every need. God, you're touching these four people right now out of your, out of your love, out of your mercy, out of your grace, and out of the truth of your word, God. We believe that today, Lord Jesus, that by your stripes we are healed. By your stripes we are delivered. Every need in these lives are being met right now. As they stand to their feet and they raise their hands in adoration of you. God, you are reaching down and you are ministering. You are filling their bodies, Lord, with healing, provision for every need is being made right now in the name of Jesus. And God, we just know that today, Lord God, that we're going to glorify you and praise you. Lord, we long for the day, Lord, we're looking for the day when we can come closer together, Lord. But God, we have chosen to be respectful and mindful of one another. So in this hour, God, in this hour, God, touch these, Lord, that are in need today, Lord, as we reach out our arms and we stretch out to see their needs met and release our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We don't say goodbye to our...